Turn blue on the street Loosing and bleed under sky So smoky blue-green I can't foresee a Dixie did she So we dance the sidewalk clean My memory is muddy What's this river that I'm in New Orleans is sinking, man And I don't want to swim It's the MBM Podcast. I am back finally with another episode for you guys. Uh, right out of the gate, I got our good friend Rick Sefford with us from Gone Banana Racing Skins. Um, thanks for coming on, Rick. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Matt. It's oh. nice seeing you. Nice chatting with you. So always, always. Looking, looking for an exciting new year coming up. So. Oh, I know, I know. It's definitely kind of hard to believe that racing season is already upon us and uh you know i've managed to uh hang on i gotta f- not forget to do stuff um but that i've already been racing like i've been to two races already it's pretty good cool deal cool deal i've only been to uh two races myself this year um with mark uh, having to move out and find a new building uh, it's kind of put a damper on uh the racing here in Madison for a little bit. Oh yeah, I see, I seen that. It looks like you guys managed to uh, get everything all packed up and and out of there in, in one day. And yeah, it was kind of a bittersweet moment because it was good to see that you guys managed to get it all done in one day and didn't have to go back for a second. But at the same time, it was kind of the closing of a of a the closing of a chapter in a in a long book that that Marka is uh, in the club sense. You know what I mean? Because you know you guys that that club's been around forever, so. Yeah, we'll find another building here soon. It's just, Mark has been kind of like that. Whoever's got, the, we rent the buildings cheap, so then uh, if the tenant wants to rent the space from the landlord or whatever that's got more money, we usually have to move out and find another building. But um, we were pretty lucky to have the same building for five years, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and and that was kind of when I first seen that that was happening. I kind of messaged uh, Eric Jensen, and he goes, "It's not a matter of if; it's just a matter of when. We'll find another building." So, I have faith. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of faith too. So. Plus, it's I want to come racing club. with you guys in March again. So, well, if we don't find a building by then, I might uh, switch the location up. Yeah, I kind of, I, 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 yeah, I had a conversation with a, a nice gentleman yesterday, and uh, I guess I can get that little announcement out of the way. Come January and February, I will be in Ithaca, Michigan, at the Hardwoods, um, doing a majority of the race directing for all you guys. Cool deal. You're going to have to put up with me all day for the Gone Bananas Challenge in January, and then in February, it'll be for the Hardwoods uh, Trophy Race as well. I believe it's called the Hardwoods Classic, so. Kind of looking forward I'll to it. I'll be at both of them. Perfect. Perfect. So will I. That's great. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know out there, the reason why I opened up the show with some Tragically Hip is the unfortunate thing happened of Gord Downey passing away. Uh, he had been battling uh, cancer. 
And uh, yeah, he was a Canadian icon. It's a band that I like a lot. So you guys are going to be putting up with some Tragically Hip through this episode, through the breaks. And uh, if you don't like it, I apologize. You need to find better music. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? But yeah, um, geez. It's been a little bit since I did the last show. I can't even remember. Probably three weeks or so. Um, yeah, man, I've, I've the Yokomo's done. Um, I know some of you guys listening know I said I was going to hold on to my comments of the build uh, instead of talking them about on Tim's podcast. I want to talk about it on mine. And um, I guess I can get into that. So the kit itself is is super nice. The car is really nice. The quality of the materials is nice. It goes together really good. Um in some instances, I find the instructions are a little vague for what I would consider, say, somebody new to the hobby. Um, the mistakes that I made were just lack of paying attention. But at the same time, they if they were a little clearer, I wouldn't have missed the small detail. Uh, basically, what I'm talking about is the biggest thing was with the diff. I put the ball diff together backwards. I put the T-nut in on the wrong side and put the, the actual fastening end in the other side so yeah i had to take it all apart flip it over no big deal i got it all resolved um the other dislike i have i don't get it you guys included clamping hexes with this kit which is great but why a roll pin in the front why why a roll pin just give me it and the worst part in the back they actually give you like the regular pin we're all used to the one that doesn't stay in there with the hex falls out I'd rather have that and be chasing that all over than trying to get brand new roll pins in uh, in front axles. So that was that was a big beef of mine, a big stink that I had over it. Uh, the other thing, and it's kind of my understanding, the reason why Yokomo did it was to save weight up front, which uh, they did like more of a bushing setup on the DTM, uh, but on the CA, which our good friend Jeff Stanford has, they actually do like a bearing setup in the front steering rack area. Uh, mine had a whole ton of play. Uh, long story short is I just took out my Dremel and took a little bit of material off the top of the bushings so that way the screw could go a little further down and I could eliminate a major- a large majority of the play. So um, that's just food for thought for anybody out there building one. Other than that, I love the car. Uh, I, <clears throat> I did kind of a modified setup from what I had on my B5M. Uh, obviously, to you know, obviously it's a modern-day car, so it's got a lot more adjustment to it. So Jeff gave me some stuff. To do so, I've got to go down and I got to write everything down so that way I have it. Uh, but the car drives and feels great. It's it's one of the most planted, comfortable cars I've driven. Um, I yeah, it was it's I love the car so much so that I turned around and instead of getting an EB410, I've actually ordered the Yokomo YZ4SF that's uh, about to come out. So, which I will get into the whole EB410 and GP, and I'm not even calling them who they are. I'm just referring to them as GP from this point. Uh, I'll get into that later in the show because I do have some Facebook questions, and one of the listeners wants to hear uh, my position on that. So, we'll, we'll get into that. And, uh, yeah. I, I, Rick, I got that B64 you sent me. <laughs> wasn't that amazing <laughs> i don't know like you know I, I said it in tim's like i'm recently i've been very fortunate you know i got the one raffle ticket that i bought and i run, won the scx 10 too and you know i gave that back and you know tim kind of said that that's kind of rc karma working in my favor and that's why i managed to win the b64 but when you sent me the picture originally i'm looking at it, i'm like i was about to type to you right on you won the b64 and then eric 
your son sends me a message and goes, your B64 isn't making it back to Canada. I'm like, wait, what? What just happened here? My, what? So I was, yeah, I was. You know, the funny thing is, Tom had me draw the number out of there, and I said, man, that number looks awful familiar. I said, <laughs> I, I got to run down and check my numbers, and sure as shit, yours not, out of the $20 worth of tickets, your number was in the middle of the tickets. <laughs> I said, holy shit. <laughs> I love it. That's, yeah, like, you know, it's one of those things where I have, I was, I sent the, the money to you to get me tickets based on the, I'm probably not going to win it but I can give back to these guys a little bit and help them out because they put on a, a great facility. They have a great group of guys there. And to me, they, they deserve any little bit extra help they can get. And if I would have been there, I probably would have spent $40 on tickets myself anyway. So it was one of those ones where if I just send the money to Rick, I have no involvement in it. I can only spend what I send them and that's it. So it's uh, but, uh, just wild. Yeah, the Gone Bananas, we had the Gone Bananas uh, Series 1, the Tri-State Series 1 race there. Uh, um the response is getting right before the race is looking at like it's got a hundred entries. I'm way stoked about that. It's better than uh, last year and yeah. continues to grow. Well, yeah, and and for those of you out there that don't realize, a hundred entries in the building that that, that raises in—that's a whole lot of people. Like it was pretty packed. Last year when you had the raise there, never mind this year, I'm sure there were more guys. So that's that's awesome. I know they put in more pit space there, I understand. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, what a track. A, I, I really wish I could have went. Yeah, I'm going there on Saturday to race since uh, Mark is not opened yet. So, so how um, far of a drive is it for you guys? Uh Jensen and me and Jeff Stanford and Charlie are all going down. It's about three and a half hours. That's not too bad. So that's about the same amount of time it takes me to go from here down to, to Hardwoods. So I don't blame you there. Yeah. The Hardwoods one, um, I'm looking probably at 100, 200 entries. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot. I think... Look at look what happened the last time when when everybody showed up to the Hardwoods race. It was, you know, hundred. It was ridiculous. What one hundred twenty two or something like that? Yeah, it was. It was a lot for a Sunday. Yeah, Sunday right. And getting done that. Getting <laughs> done at eleven thirty at night and have to drive home and ice storm. Yeah, I know. And and I left early because I knew I had to work the next day, and I knew I was already getting home super late to begin with. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how like guys like Joel and Dan did it because those guys had to work Monday too, and they they left. Uh, what I like this year is they've been moved to Saturday races. They're actually two day races, uh, both the Gone Bananas Challenge, which is in January, and then the Hardwood Classic in February, are two day races, Friday and Saturday. I'm super stoked about that. I am taking the Friday off, and more likely the Monday, so that way I got time to come home and you know actually have some downtime and everything like that. Um, so yeah. I'm super, like I said, I'm super stoked to do it. I'm, I'm glad I'm going to be race directing. I've kind of started getting back into doing it a little bit more because I kind of stepped away from it because some stuff that happened up here locally to me, I just didn't really want the negativity associated with having to be the guy that enforces the rules. Uh, but the nice thing is, is a lot of guys that I race with down in, you know, Michigan, down at Casey's and even down at Hardwoods. And, you know, I know you guys in Wisconsin and the guys in, in Iowa, you get it. You know, the race director is the man running the show. If he tells you to do something, you do it. End story. You know, so yeah. I, uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, you, 
the race directing, uh, it's a tough job. You got to keep right on top of it and keep it moving. You can't have hardly no downtime if you have a huge crowd. I can understand a, a light crowd, 40, 50, but. Yeah, yeah, no. 119 heats of races to go through in a day. <laughs> got to move it well for so. anybody listening that's planning on going to these races just so you know there is a timer in between the rounds i am not pausing the timer i am not gonna wait for you if you're in five different classes you better have all your cars ready for that round because i just i want to keep it moving i want to you know have a good great day of racing and the only way to do that is to kind of stick with that timeline in order to get everything in uh, that's kind of what we're going to have to do. I know uh, Kevin down there at the Hardwoods uh, does the live loop stuff, so I'm kind of fond of that. I really do like it. Uh, for me, it sucks personally because, as everybody knows, my hands go numb. Well, guess what happens when Matt has to drive for, like, seven minutes? I have no feeling in my hand for, like, the last, you know, two minutes of the, the heat. But um, I, I really do like the idea of the live loop. It does seem to move things along because once you get everybody moving and on – on a decent little pace, you can you can trigger it live, and sometimes you end up only needing a minute in between rounds because everybody's ready to go. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm literally stoked to, uh, for the series two race or the tri states two race going to the hardwoods. So, so explain to me what the tri state challenge is. There at the end of it, are you keeping track of how everybody finishes in each race, and then there's going to be like an award given to the guy that, you know, did the best out of all three, or, or is this just a whole, just three play, three locations all involved in, like, a Gone Bananas kind of deal? Yeah, uh, at first I was going to do the th- three um, three race series, you know, and give the awards out at the end, mm-hmm. but I went to a race down at um, Long Island Speedway Star Collectibles, and um, it was between two tracks. One, I won't say the location, but... Tom had a really good turnout for his local guys, and right. nobody from the other track came. So here's here he is buying plaques for for a the, bit. That, yeah, yeah. his race, and nobody else showed up, so he had to eat like half the plaque. So at the end of the day that day, I said, "Why don't we uh, just make it a plaques per each track?" Um, I might do something at the end for the people that went to all three, but yeah, you know. I think it's going to be kind of tough in the middle of January to get people to from Wisconsin or maybe Iowa or Illinois, Indiana, Canada, Upper Michigan to drive that if there's a bad snowstorm. Well, so. yeah, and that that is the big thing. I, I do know a lot of the guys in Iowa were saying that they are going to be in Michigan, which is awesome because I love those guys. Like they're the one thing that I've gathered and, and gotten from RC over the last three, four years has really been what I feel is like an extended family. You know, when, when I first went to, to Mark and I know a lot of guys knew the podcast, so they knew me from that. Um, and obviously, you know what I mean? I know you talk, say lots of good things about me. So everybody kind of knew what to expect, but it was a bit of a shock for me because I walk into this place and all these people are accepting of me and treating me like they've known me forever. And to me, it's like an extended family. So it's nice to see these guys like Brian and Tom and, and, and all those guys and, and, you know, the nappers from down in that area come up. And then same as, you know, you guys from Wisconsin, like Jensen and Stanford and, and yourself and your son. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. I, I like hanging out with you guys. I just, I wish we were a lot closer because we could do it more often. Yeah. 
I like uh, I like racing when it's uh, you feel comfortable and everybody's having a good time. You know, it's no fun when somebody's struggling. And the great group group of guys I I race with, we all help out each other. Um, we help out the new person. We try to make everybody fast. Yeah. You know, Jeff Stanford uh, took Tom McClary's uh, Durango truck and figured out why it wasn't driving right. He spent a couple hours working on it, not steady, but he got to run fairly decent at the end of the day so yeah oh and jeff is the guy i go to when i need to poke somebody's brain about setup or or what this what this will do or that will do i I always go to jeff and unfortunately for me these new generation cars are like exactly that they're new generation cars and i know they've been out now for you know over well over a year like the b6 has been out for a while and you know the b64 has been out for a while and you know, the Yokomo, the CA, and the DTM, they've been out for a little while, but they're all brand new to me. And having that much adjustability and setup options is very new to me. So it's like, okay, well, what do I do? Which yeah. ones do I use? And that kind of brings me into with my B64 build. I, I will say this. It was, um, it was a dream in comparison to my 443. That car went together. You know, I heard lots of nightmares about all oh, the diffs this, the diffs that. My diffs, I, I shimmed them in. I, you know, I did some test fitting. I put it on the car. You know, yeah, they were, well, they were snug. They're not as free as I would like, but I know that's yeah. kind of normal, and as they break in, they get freer, so I'm okay with that. But the car went together very, very well. Mm-hmm. I won't lie. Like, it, it, it went together well, but what I will say is this. One thing Yokomo does that Associated didn't do. In the Yokomo manual for my DTM, there's a chart. And on the rear end of the car, obviously, it's got all the little pill inserts for the different setups. So the chart in the Yokomo manual actually tells me what all those combinations do. So, you know, okay. if, I go, if I go with with the arrow pointing up, with these combinations, this is what I get. If I go with the arrow pointing down at the front, with the, this is what I get. You know, so on and so forth. They give you kind of every option that you can pick with all of them. Associated doesn't do that, and I know cool. it's. It, I know it's simple, and everybody's like, "Well, it's simple." You know, the arrow the arrow points this way, and you know it tells you point five or this point. I, I don't care about that. What I want to know is on a nice chart to show me if I put this in the front, that in the rear. What's my toe? What's my? You know what I mean? Like I want all that yeah. all that information right in front of me. I don't want to have to guess. <clears throat> and so. I know uh, Jeff and Eric, man, that one Saturday I went up to market just to practice and take some tires up. And those guys, that's all they did is ran a pack, changed some stuff, let the batteries charge up and go back at it. It was, it was a really great day. Them mm-hmm. guys uh, actually were getting faster every every time, even with uh, some adjustments working and some not. So well, and that's really what cool. I'm looking forward to with these two-day races. Like they, or, or I shouldn't even say two-day. They're one-day races but they have the practice day on the Friday. And I love that about them because now I have the time to show up first thing in the morning, you know, get my pit area set up, get a car out there and run it, and then come back and kind of go, okay, well, what can I do? And, and that's why I love having you guys around because I don't, and I've said this a million times before, when you take how much racing I've really done in the last five years as to how much, like, say, Jeff or Eric get to do, you know, I get about, I've driven about as much as probably those guys have in the matter of two months in the entire yeah. five years yeah. I've been racing. So, you know, I, I look at it at that sense. Like, I can drive pretty good considering the little bit of time that I have, but the little things like 
tuning the suspension or making this change. I don't understand what some of those things do still. And that's what I'm trying to do this year is just kind of like a sponge, absorb as much of it as I can. And yeah, it's just, I'm telling you, when I'm going to be around Jeff in that, it's going to be, I'm going to be over there driving him nuts to the point where he's going to be like, can he just go home? Like, can somebody keep (laughs) Matt away from me like for five minutes, man? (laughs) <laughs> so. nah, I'm glad to have I'm really glad to have you and Eric Johnson, Jeff Stanford, my son Eric on the on my team, uh Brad from Missouri and um oh, Yeah, shout out to a, Brad. He's always he's always out there posting and, and giving you lots of props. Cool deal. I'm glad to have you guys all. And then I got a sponsored driver down at the NAW Team C race down in Arkansas too this weekend. Right on. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think Charlie uh, Smith's gonna be there. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm pretty sure Charlie said he's going to Arkansas this this weekend. So good luck to you. Safe travels there. And uh yeah. I I can't I kinda can't wait. I'm really looking forward to well, actually I shouldn't say looking forward to, I have it. I got my new radio. Which I know, Rick, you you got rid of your Groppner because you were just you couldn't adjust the finger. And I know what you're saying with that. Um, I know the one I have has an adjustable trigger, so I can move it in or out based on the size of my mitt. Um, but the one you had didn't, which kind of stinks. But at the same time, I know the guy who's getting your radio. So great. It stayed kind of within the <laughs> the local people <laughs> that I know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think it's so. No, yeah. every time I'd go to hit the brake, my finger would slip out of the trigger. And I just... I, if I could adjust the trigger, I would have kept it. So. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that one. Actually, I seen Patrick, uh, the guys down at the Hardwoods this past weekend, and he did something pretty cool with his radio. He's got a Futaba, but you like you know the little foam strips that a lot of the cars come with now that you stick on the chassis so the battery doesn't just yeah. slide around. He took yep. like a little chunk of that and actually taped it, like glued it to his trigger. So that way, because he, okay. I guess he was having the same problem where his finger was kind of slipping on the brakes. I'm like, oh man, that's an awesome idea. And he kind of likes it being a little tighter fit. But like, I was holding yeah. his radio doing it. I'm like, man, that almost should be illegal. Like, <laughs> it gives you such a like a positive locked in <laughs> feel into the trigger. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. So I'm gonna steal that one out of his playbook. I think I'm gonna add some foam to mine. But yeah, I love it. It's firmware updatable. So those of you guys out there know. I've kind of fiddle farted around with this thing and thanks uh, very much to Rex at RW Mods for sending me some receivers so I had a few extras. Um, I had to firmware update them which is something completely new to me. Uh, I did a little live video on Facebook how to firmware update the receivers but I still had no idea really what I was doing. Uh, So I'm going to go back and just record a video on my computer that I could upload to Facebook. I won't do a live one. Uh, but I'll do a new video kind of giving you guys what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. Uh, I know I was helping out Norris the other day. He managed to get his upgraded. It's super simple once you do it a couple times. Uh, the radio is ridiculously easy. That just takes the USB plug, plug it in. Um, but we'll go. I'll go through all that in the video for you guys. There is one on Facebook right now uh, for you guys to check out if you want. Um, and that actually brings me into my RC tip of the month. And this one's kind of super duper important. Always check your cars after each round. I don't care how good your car ran. I don't care how hooked up it was. Take a minute. Check everything over. Make sure that little screw didn't come loose. Make sure that this isn't there. Just just give it a once over. It never hurts. You'd be surprised the amount of times that I come home after racing, go to 
do something with the cars and go, huh, I wonder how long that was like that for. So that's my RC tip of the, the month. I'm sticking with the month because now we're in a new month. It's November. So there's your November tip. We'll see if you get another one later because I think I'm going to do a show, another show in two weeks. But yeah. So that's where we are with all of that. And like we've talked about the Tri-State Challenge. All right. A little bit of a hiccup there, but no big deal. Problem solved. Nobody even knew what really happened. I'm just talking now, and they're going, what the hell? What what happened? Nothing. We're good. Um, so, yeah. You, you were saying something. You, you, were, you were saying something pretty interesting to me when we were having a bit of a problem there, and I called you back on your cell phone real quick. So what was it, Rick? Let me let me hear it. Let's talk about it on the show for everybody else to hear. With the Tri-State Series, I got a 17.5 Blinky class. Um, with a 17.5 stock Blinky class, uh, with rubber tires, you got to make the weight. But I'm running, we're all running foam tires. I'm not making anybody run, have to buy foam tires for the 17.5 class, but it's about making the weight. Equal. And I feel if you're... I don't think you should have to have the weight equal if you're running foam tires. I think um, if you're running foam tires, you should be able to just run enough weight that you can handle on the car. Well, I just want people's people's opinion about that. Um, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying with that because you know what's kind of funny about that is I was kind of talking to Casey about it, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it to Joel too. My opinion is this, because 90% of us run foam tires, I should even say more than that, probably like 97% of us run foam tires, you know, like my B5M was ridiculously underweight with foam tires back when I had it. And I had nothing in it for weight savings, like nothing. It was bone stock, three gear transmission, you know what I mean? Like I even had the, the spacer in there and the longer top shaft to center the motor. So I had even more weight in it than than a box stock one in my opinion but i was kind of thinking like we should just take like the average set of rubber tires mounted you know all four of them figure out what they weigh and subtract that from the number and then take a set of your foams again you know all four tires weigh them and then add that to the number add that to the number minus the rubber and then that kind of is the close you know what i mean so you can say foam tire guys need to be at this minimum and then you know what i mean rubber tire guys need to be at this minimum and you you take that 1499 number and that's where you subtract the rubber weight from and then add the foam weight to you get what i'm saying with that yes because to Um, me that's the fairest way of doing it right you're not making the rubber guys do anything crazy and you're not saying to the foam guys that are you know 100 you know whatever it is say they're 14 10 or something like that with foam tires you're not saying to them go back and add 80 grams to your car like <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah because i i ended up adding about 90 grams to mine when i went to um the bfg for charlie's uh, open open house carpet racer yeah i said wow well, my my x-ray only weighed 13.9 and i have to add all this to get it to fifth 14.99 i said yeah. wow <laughs> but um when i had that race at uh, Iowa at Star Collectibles. Um, I didn't put no weight limit on the cars. We just made sure they were all 17.5 motor, blinky, and pretty much um, let them weigh, weigh the weight 
just run without weighing them. Yeah, well, and, and for the most part, ideally, cars are better when they're at that that closer to that fourteen ninety nine mark. There, there's very rarely you're going to catch somebody out there that's running a car that's you know say thirteen ninety in stock where it's really good because it's it's almost borderline too light and and i'll admit to that my b5m got better if i added more weight to it i think i went back and added like a 45 gram uh plate underneath the battery there that uh, ryan birch or maybe it was 30 some grams but the car drove better with that little bit extra weight in it and i wasn't even running stock i was running mod with the car you know and it was just kind of one of those ones where it was like you know, I went and weighed it, and they're like, well, mod has a weight limit, but we're not enforcing it. And I'm looking at them going, if you guys think I'm going to go back and add a ton of weight to this car to meet a weight limit for a class that's modified, get out of here. It's not happening. No, I think uh, if you race some mod, you can pretty much the rules are all open. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of what my understanding was of it. But but that was kind of my thought process behind it. If you take that, that $14.99, because that's the number, and you subtract what a set of rubber tires and rims and inserts weigh from that number, then you get what the car the car should weigh on its own without the tires. Well, yep. then for us to make life easy, weigh what a set of foams. I don't care if you want to weigh a set of foams from each brand, like one from a one from a B6, one from a YZ2, you know, whatever, just to get an average weight to add that instead. But you know what I mean? Try and get in the ballpark of that within a couple of grams. Because like, I don't think 10 grams is going to make a big difference. And I'm sure there are people screaming right now at their radios going, Matt, you don't know what you're talking about. You're right. I don't. But that's my opinion on it. <laughs> and and I just yeah, I just thought I'd bring this question up because uh, maybe I, we can get some feedback from uh, response from after the show. People can leave a message about it their thoughts i don't something like that so yeah so if you guys are listening right now and you have an opinion on it shoot rick a message or or even post it on the the podcast page or on the gone bananas page or wherever and and just let rick know how you guys feel about it myself i just with running foam tires on 17.5 blinky class i added the class just as because there's a lot of people that got 17.5 cars. Um, the 13.5 wheeler class is really big, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not putting a weight limit on that. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. But any right. little bit of feedback will help. So well, yeah, obviously, if you if you kind of get a, a general consensus from everybody, then it's a little easier, right? So yep. Did you uh, see that? Little clip uh, from Live RC about where's Walto and uh, foam tires and touring cars and <laughs> oh, you know what's funny about that is I actually seen the uproar in that. Uh, I believe it was Rick, uh, Rick something or other. What the hell was his last name? Uh, I can't think of a top of my head. Anyway, I like I'm on Facebook, right? I'm scrolling and I see the guy say like, "No, not another foam class." You know, going on and on about the fact that everybody's going to be truing down tires and doing all this crap, and we got away from that. Why are we going to go back? And I guess whoever the main driving force is behind this whole idea, it's no, it's a spec tire. This is the tire that you run, end of story. You don't modify it. You put it on the car, and you run it. Yeah. I like it. Everybody knows I'm a fan of foam. Whether I was really good friends with Rick and, and you know, doing what I do with Rick now or not, I, foam tires are... In my opinion, I'm telling you right now, and I said it on Tim's podcast, if I was in Las Vegas with a set of Rick's foams in my pocket 
And I walked up to somebody like Ryan Mayfield and said, here, put these on your car and go out there and run them. He would have burned laps around every single one of those guys running those pin tires in a heartbeat. And you know what would have happened? Everybody would have went, what the hell is that? What, what is he doing with that? I'm telling you right now. I don't care what anybody says. I said it in Tim's show. There is a reason why in southern Ontario, Rick's foams got banned after a trophy race. A couple of guys showed up with foam tires from Rick. They cleaned house at a trophy race, and those guys got butt hurt about it and banned them. Truth. End of story. True. True story. Six hours later. Yes. <laughs> that happened. But um, the, those same guys uh, sent me a message, and they are really pushing. I was really... I was going to give them a smoking deal if they'd um, all jumped on the foam tires. So, but I'm still banned at that track, so it's it's all good. It's it's their but, loss um, in my opinion, but I I think foam on carpet makes sense. Like, don't get me wrong, rubber works, not as good, but it works. yeah. <laughs> all the response I get back, everybody picks up a second, two seconds a lap over the rubber tires. So. Well, yeah. Trust me, that, that epiphany happened a few years ago at Casey's race when we were all there racing and, and there was only a handful of us at the time on your foam. And, you know, the handful of us that were on your foam were, were just smoking the doors and everybody. And, you know, in our area, Frank Hansen is one of our fast guys. He's consistent. His cars are always good. He's fast. He's fast because yeah. he's consistent. When I was able to, with my poor talent, TQ over him, you know... Frank showed up with foam tires next month for the race. Like he didn't, he, you know, he, nope, foam done, you know, and then that's, that's just, yeah. Yep. But, um, I think, um, pretty much everybody that's running my carpet off-road tires, nobody actually really trues them down. Most of the time I true the front ones down a little taller than the rubber tires on uh, the Schumacher pins, but majority of them I'll leave them pretty tall and let them wear down. So once you got your camber right, the tire wear is very minimum. They'll wear flat straight across, and you should be able to get 10, 12 weekends of racing out of a set. So. Yeah, if not more, depending on how well you take care of them. But, um... Tire taken care of. Um, I, sh- I ship all my tires in Ziploc bags. I do that for a reason. For At the end of the race day, you guys can put some sauce on them, put them back in the Ziploc bag, and put them back in your box. Um, I've got a few tires back, and they're all dry. And I asked them where they've been storing them. Oh, I've been had them in, on my bench, and the sunlight's been shining <laughs> on my workbench. Yeah, that's probably why they're all dried out. So yeah. please, guys, use the Ziploc bags I sent the tires in. So it's just uh, I did it for the guys up in Canada because I know they only race once a month. So the, just put them in a Ziploc bag. They'll stay fresh for two years. So Yeah, well, you know what's kind of funny about that? So last year, our good friend Norm, as he goes by, uh, last year he didn't race with us at all. He took a whole year off. He come out to Casey's first race. And Rick, he had a set of foam tires on his in, on his four four three, that were from the year prior to last year. He didn't put them in a bag. <laughs> their weather cracked all hell. You know they're dried out. And I'm like, well, if those fail today, we know why. And I kid you not, he didn't chunk one. They didn't fail on him, and his car ran pretty good. And I'm not telling everybody, okay, don't do what Rick just said. But I'm just saying that goes to say a lot about the product, about how much effort Rick puts into what he does. So you know 
investing in a set of foam tires if they're allowed at your track is definitely not a waste of money by any stretch of the imagination. And that brings me into my next thing. If you're one of these guys that are getting foams from Rick for drag racing, for screwing around with your Fortech and trying to go fast with it, and you blow them apart, you and your car are the problem. And I don't care who that pisses off. You are. You know, Rick, very early on, before he really started doing serious speedrun stuff, sent Mike and I two sets of foam tires for 8 scale. And Mike and I have no business trying to do speedrun stuff with the 8 scales that we had. They were not set up for it. And guess what we didn't do? We didn't blow rubber. We didn't blow foam off the rims. So if dummies like us who have no idea what we're doing aren't blowing foam... That means there's something going on with the car or with you. And, and I'm not trying to be rude about it. That's the truth. Don't bash this guy. Don't message him giving him shit over it. Because I feel bad when you guys do that for Rick. Because I know how much effort he puts into it. And I know I'm kind of hollering at everybody. But that's just the way I feel about it. Stop it. Stop I know it. a lot of uh, a lot of tires I've seen. And I have, I've had them send them back. Some of it this spring, um, the blowoffs that were happening. I think uh, May it rained every other day, mm-hmm. and they use a water jet to cut the foam. Yeah, and I don't think the foam got dry. So some of the tires I did send out, I had the guys send me back, and the glue wasn't curing for some reason. So I had just assumed. With all the rain being a water jet, that the foam had too much moisture in it to let the glue cure. But, yeah. So. Well, and I know when you knew that there was an issue, might have been an issue, you took care of anybody. But but that's the other big thing. You know, and I, I see it across the board. You know, Rotoron experiences it all the time. People will go online and say, oh, my Rotoron motor this, my Rotoron motor that. And then it's, well, did you contact them? Well, no. What do I need to? Right there. Stop. If you didn't try and contact the place you got it from, whether it be Rotoron, Rick, MKS, Gropner, Maxamps, any company, <laughs> don't go to the internet bitching and complaining about it if you haven't proactively tried to get a resolution. Now, if you try to get a resolution and you basically get told to go, you know, uh, pack sand, go to the internet. Let everybody know that X company was, you know, big old D-bags to you. That's fine, because you've made the effort at that point to at least try to come to a resolution without going to the internet and making people that have never used the product think that this is the worst place to deal with. I just, I hate that. I hate seeing that, especially for guys like you, because I know you're small. As much as you do, I know you do a lot. You know, you're you're a small thing. So, you know, 15 people decide not to get phones that we're going to get phones. That's a a number of people, you know, so that's what I think about. But, um, you know, I I have... One door closed, and I got a brand new door opening. So Isn't that it's all, awesome? <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty exciting. Yes, it you is. Big, big Mark, things could be happening. That's for sure. But um, when Mark uh, announced that they had to move out of the building, you know, I went up there a little later in the day and helped finish up packing and stuff and uh, I told Eric Jensen the day after I said man I've been feeling a little down and then I get this uh, message from uh, on my Gone Bananas page uh, from somebody and wow a whole new door opened up for me I said wow so I was pretty excited like I told Jensen I said uh, when one door closes and another one opens up sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad but yeah, yeah. let's turn this might be really super good for me. I'm I'm hoping so. I was pretty excited when you sent me that message. 
I'm not going to lie. But it's all good. It is. You know, I, I learned, I learned a lot in the last three years, um, with tires. Um, I've always done tires for a long time, but nothing to the scale I'm at now. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I hear you. I know you've been a busy, busy man. That's for sure. And then, yeah, like I said, I wanted to make it to Iowa to that race, but it just kind of fell the weekend before I went on, started going on vacation. So basically I still had to work a whole week. And as many, you know, that's like a 10 and a half, almost 11 hour drive to and from. And it's just, it was unfortunately way too much to do in that short period of time. And for obvious reasons, because your son went and got married, you couldn't exactly have the race the next weekend to do me a solid, you know, but, um, no, um, he, he came to, uh, the star collectible tri-state race too. And he TQ'd and won, man. I was pretty stoked about that. Oh, he can, he can drive. That's for sure. I I love, I'm not lying when, when he's out there. And Jensen's out there, and then, you know, I'm talking about Casey's here. Yeah, Stanford, and then you mix Cole Tollard in there, and you see these guys all throw down with, you know, Cole is considered a pro. In my opinion, he is. You know, he's got a an associated chassis sponsorship. He travels to all kinds of races. You know what I mean? He He's becoming a name, you know, like I said, in that pro category. And it, just to watch all those guys race, it'd be like, man. Look how fast they are. <laughs> it's like it's like I don't know Sometimes who to cheer for. It's like, wait, go Jeff. No, wait, go Eric. Wait, no, go Eric Seffer. No, wait, no, go Cole. Damn it, would you guys stop it? Like <laughs> That's when you want to pull over an A main and fear in there and just watch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, see, I'm totally okay with not making the A when those guys are racing. I'm cool in the B because then I get to watch them and marshal. And nine times out of ten, when you gotta marshal those guys, you rarely have to do anything. Yep. Rarely. Yep. <laughs> It does happen, but was, very rarely. Yeah, I've raced with uh, Cole at various uh, tracks, and it's always fun to watch him. It's really what really cool to see him grow in the yeah into the sport. You know, I tell a lot of people, RC cars my drug of choice. You know, I I do it every Saturday night, so it's I wouldn't change it for nothing. It's the best yeah. tie I ever had. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. If you spend that much time in your garage without a respirator on, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a guilty pleasure. When I get fresh foams from you, I open the bag and it's like, oh, I, I love this. <laughs> the drag foams are even better. <laughs> the, the, I don't know what, the, like, I know obviously they're different compounds from the stuff we race on, on carpet to the drag foams. But man, the first set of drag foams you sent me, I'm kind of, my wife was laughing at me and going, Oh, smell that. She's like, you need to breathe regular air too. I'm like, yeah, but if we could just get like an air freshener in a la foam of Rick, that'd be great. <laughs> and actually, no, I have the garage door. I have the garage door cracked open and a oh, fan okay. blowing out. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I could just imagine what your garage smells like when you're at that. Um, but funny, I mentioned that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be looking for another wheel for my car or like for my radio. And I think I'm going to okay. send it to you and get you to put some of that drag foam on it. Cause I like how squishy it is. Yeah. It's, it's amazing stuff. It is. It's, but it's I've it's, been, um, uh, I've also been, uh, checking, uh, some China markets and trying to find the right foam. And I've found a small water jet I can afford to buy. And I think I'm going to go down that road. So, Oh man, look out folks. Rick's going to be doing some stuff. 
some serious I'm, stuff. That's awesome. I love I love hearing stuff like that. I really do. And and uh, yeah, I, I've been the last um, three months. I've been really seriously looking. I I had a China connection twenty years ago, and I'm trying to find that same connection because they're the ones that told me who in the states was cutting that foam. So. Right, right. So so remind me and and jog everybody's memory. How long have you been doing this cutting foam off of tire or cutting anything off of other rims and gluing your foam to it? Um, about 17 years. There you go. See? Back in the, back in the early days, though, guys would be racing um, Jayco uh, tires. And in the wintertime, you'd go into a building and your plastic's all cold and these guys had hit a pipe and snapped the centers out of the wheels and they're throwing them in the trash. So here I am digging them out of the trash. I said, man, I could actually do something different. So I, I could, I, I figured could out how to unload them and mount them on stock rims. So there you go. See, see, like, I know we had that conversation a long time ago. It's just one of those refresher for everybody. That's, that's how gone bananas all started. And now it is what it is today. And it's, you know, what, what, Rick, in the last four and a half, five years, it's really just become a monster of its own? Yeah, and um, it's pretty cool when I get um, GRPs, brand new ones, um, Traxxas funny car wheels, um, just cut brand new tires off and put my foam on, five gallon pails at a time. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> seen the photos. I th- I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm amongst a lot of people every time you see those photos, go, eh, eh, eh. wow. <laughs> But the GRPs, they got metal in them. There's metal bands, so you got to watch it a little bit. So, well, yeah, because I know the the, the some of them are belted, so they have. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But well, yeah, it's so pretty cool doing. It's really cool doing something that nobody else will want to do. So that's well, what I enjoy about. And that and that's just it. There, there's so many people that won't do what you're doing, and and you're still always willing to do it. And and yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love working with you, and I, I, lo- I like how, how, how well it's going for you. Because I know it sometimes. And trust me, folks, I see the amount of messages, his page processes. It is ridiculous, the amount of messages he, he experiences. So if you send him a message and he doesn't get back to you, you're not the only person that probably messaged him right at that instant. So, you know, if you don't hear back from him for, for a day, don't be afraid to say, uh, hey, what's up, Rick? You know. He's, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, I've been trying to put on there for they can just send me a text, but for some reason, Mondays I always answer questions and order rooms and get foam ordered. And so the rest of the week, I'm pretty much tied to gluing tires and getting ready for the following weeks. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I'm, I'm rolling a lot of tires out this year, so... I believe it. I definitely believe it. So with that being said, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick little break, and uh, we'll be back after this little, this little ditty. Stay with us. Cow RC, the radio-controlled maintenance king since 2008. Providing the RC community with the world's best pit mats, park trays, performance aerosols, and much more. Through smart design, superior performance, and 100% made in the USA, CowRC products are a real value. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Follow CowRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
or order direct at cowrc.com. Save 10% with code IMOVE. That's code I-M-O-O. CalRC. Maintenance King. I, I fingered the, the button and turned everything down before I started talking. And we're back from the short little break. And I have our next guest. And I know everybody's going, next guest? Two guests in one show. Matt, what the hell are you doing? Well, this wonderful gentleman that I have on with me right now, his name is Dana Ryan, And he actually reached out to the show's page and wanted to come on and talk about my newest fascination with RC. Dirt oval racing. And chassis for dirt oval racing. So I'm like, wait a minute, hang on. Did this really just happen? Because I'm not going to lie to you, Dana. I've been listening lately a lot uh, to, it's a new podcast. It's called the RC Dirt Oval Podcast. Uh, A friend of mine, Alfie, does it. And I've been kind of hooked hearing him and his buddy Tim talk about it. It's kind of like one of those, oh man, this is going to be a problem. Because, you know, it's already bad enough that I want to build an outdoor track. Now I want to build an outdoor oval. So I'm pretty sure at some point in time or another, my wife is going to probably make me live out of the garage if I turn our backyard into an RC track slash dirt oval track. I'm positive. That's what's going to happen. So I just thought it was great, perfect timing. Like this is this is something that's really new to me. So I'm going to learn along with all the listeners about chassis and what makes a good chassis what makes a bad chassis maybe what to do what not to do and, and stuff like that and we're gonna find out a little bit more about about dana and maverick chassis which is the company that he um, you run that right correct perfect so uh we're gonna find out a little bit more about him and and the company and why he's doing what he does and we're gonna talk a little bit of uh what's going on in the dirt oval scene right now because because of listening to the RC Dirt Oval podcast, I'm kind of a little bit more aware of what's going on, just as far as I know the Chili Bowl comes up in, I believe, February. And I know there's a bit of a, a thing going on right now with a certain tire manufacturer that we all talked about at one point or another in the last couple of weeks uh, because Mark Pavitas was let go from AKA Tire. So we're going to get into that conversation at some point. We got Facebook questions that are not only for me, but for Dana as well. So we'll get into those. And that's what we're going to talk about in the second part of the show. So let's start off. I got to know, how long have you been doing the RC thing? And why RC? Of all the hobbies in the world that you could pick, what drew you in and, and, and why? why? Like, why did it stick? Well, I tell you what, we started back in the mid-80s. Um, probably 85 or 86. Uh, it was a concrete oval and we were racing tan cars on concrete oval. And it was something that my dad got me into and, uh, just kind of grew from there. Yeah. So, so very early on. Yeah. So when you started getting into RC, I was about two years old, still probably pooping in diapers. 
<laughs> Probably. Yeah. So <laughs> I was born in '84, so I'm I'm still a youngin. Um, but no, that's awesome because I kind of like hearing, you know, how long people have been into RC and and you know why why are they kind of got stuck on it and stuff like that. And that that's I find it a lot. It's you know me and my dad started doing it, or you know my brother was doing it, and then I got into it, and whatever the case is in that scenario. So it's always cool to find out you know, why others have a passion for it. But see, your passion goes a little bit further than I think a lot of people's because now you make conversion kits, if I'm correct, for TLR cars, right? Yep, that's correct. Well, OC SCP 22 2.0, and we are going to be releasing a 3.0 here very soon. Right on. So that brings me to this question. Why did you start wanting to make a conversion kit for whether the TLR, whatever manufacturer, let's just say what it is, you know what I mean? Why did, what, what drove you to want to make your own conversion kit? What, what was other companies or was there even other companies in existence? Like what, what makes it different? You know what I mean? Like what makes yours different than the next guys or what, what was there not out there that you wanted, which is what maybe drove you to do it? Well, basically, um, I've always wanted to build chassis, and it's kind of a passion of mine. And I chose TLR because there wasn't anything on the market for it. And you know, I got TLR guys screaming at me, "Hey, you know, we need to we need a conversion kit for this damn thing." I mean, just it, and I thought, well, you know what? We'll do one and see how it goes. And the response has been amazing for it. Right on. So, so how long ago did did you start kind of messing around with it and starting making your own kit? I I started the the Maverick design real early in the year last year, and I'm telling you, if if anybody thinks this is easy, it is not. <laughs> um, I had I had probably six six months in designing it, and I tell you, along along the journey of six months. Um, I ran into some amazing people uh, that's in this industry. People just don't realize the the good people that are in it. Right. Um, I mean, people that's willing to help you out. Uh, A lot of my stuff is outsourced. So, I mean, I just got a wonderful group of people behind this project. Well, that's always good. And and I know know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about you really, when you start trying to do something different – or do something in general in the RC hobby, you really start uh, working and meeting people that are, are kind of wanting to do the same thing, make it a little bit better of a place than it was the day before as best as they can. Cause you know, my podcast, we recently gave away, I I'm sure you've heard of those, you know, those raffle sites that everybody, oh, yeah. okay. So I was in one of those and I just happened to be out of town. My mom was in having a surgery and I was bored out of my mind, had some money sitting in my PayPal account and I come across this SCX-10-2, like $7.50 for a, for a slot. And I said, you know what? I said, I'll buy one. Just one. I'm not going to monkey around and buy like four. One. Do I not end up winning the stupid thing? <laughs> so so I, get, I get it. And at first, you know, the first thought that goes across my head is like, hmm, maybe I'll build it for myself. And I was like, nah, maybe I'll sell it for a quick buck and I can put it into something else. And then it struck me. Wait a minute. My my Facebook page is close to a thousand likes. Let's give this truck away to somebody. 
So then, you know, I started reaching out to manufacturers and people that I work with in, in the hobby. You know, MKS Servos is what I run. I reached out to Thomas, and Thomas sent me, you know, one of the nice x8 series servos for it and then you know randy over at teakin sent out a brushed combo for it and you know little by little next thing i know i've got enough stuff to build this fully rtr truck and give it away to a listener and i was like this is this is cool so i know what you're saying it's it's nice when you try to do something and the support is there for you and you you don't realize how many people are willing to actually support it you think maybe there's only one or two and then the next thing you know, like, you know, 10 people are all willing to help you with the projects that you have in front of you, irregardless of what they are. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's just a lot of good people in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I got people in New York, California, uh, just all over the United States that, you know, has gave their input or, you know, helped out with CNC and just you know, it's it's really amazing how the RC industry can come together on, on certain things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of good people. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now i got to ask. So in these conversion kits, what... What comes in a conversion kit? Because I'm not going to lie. I haven't done my research. I don't know. So say, because, of course, this new obsession of mine is now that I want I want to build one. Because I, I like full-scale race cars. And, you know, I love, you know, late models. I love open-wheel modifieds. So, like, I'm going, okay, maybe i got to build one of these. And I know I can get, it like, a TLR roller probably for fairly cheap, which is almost, like, sacrilegious in, in, in my home. Because, you know, I was a diehard associated guy up until this year where I switched over to Yokomo cars. So <laughs> you know what I mean? For me, it's like, man, yeah. I'm really going to buy a TLR, but what comes in one of these conversion kits when, when we purchase it and what's, what's our rough price line for them? Uh, well, first off, the, the material we use is the best material on the market. Um, we use two and a half mil carbon fiber. Uh, you'll get the plate, You'll get the chassis braces for the sides. You'll get the hardware, and you'll get an, an aluminum nose piece. But the nice thing about this car is there's no. The, I'm just trying to say I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you don't. It's basically unbolt and bolt. You know what I mean? Right. So there, there's real no roller. no side, like there's none of this. Okay, so you got to take this part off of the truck and you got to, you know, shave this down by four millimeters to, to do exactly. that. Okay, right. Yep. Yep. So there, there's exactly. none of that home, homebrew, do this on your own situation. It's here's the parts, take this off, put those in place of it and put your body of choice on it. So funny enough, what I'll do is I'm going to incorporate a few of the questions from Facebook into this because we're kind of going along the lines of one of them and, and Shane Strong was said uh, would like you to explain the differences between the classes a bit if you can particularly the difference between a late model and a modified is it just a body or uh, or typically the amount of modifications allowed between the two classes so so in this case like if I order your conversion kit is there one conversion kit if I want to do a late model and then one if I want to open wheel modified or does the same one suit both purposes and it's just really a body choice difference? Basically, the Maverick can be used as a late model or a modified. Um, the only thing that is different is the front bumper, uh, the body mounts, all that stuff. 
Um, and as far as, you, you know, rules concerned, it just depends on what part of the country you're standing in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it is, those are kind of more based on areas and tracks more than anything where, when it comes to the rules for, for whether it be late model or open wheel modified. Yeah, I got a few, uh, I have a few late model drivers out there right now running Mavericks. So, um, the car seems to do really well, um, modified or late model. Um, one thing we did do, uh, we went with a wider platform than the rest of the market. Um, and I caught a lot of criticism for that, but it seems to be working okay. Um, I just kind of wanted to keep things simple and not do all this wild, crazy stuff because in the end, you're going to do nothing but confuse your customer. True. Very, very so, true. And I, I like that idea. So basically, my my chassis conversion is very, very simple. Um, I give a baseline setup with every conversion I sell to get you in the ballpark. Um, so from that point on, once you build it, put the setup on it, then you just adjust it to your driving style. Right, right. Okay, cool. So so even somebody like me, because like I was explaining, there's there's no tracks around me whatsoever. The closest thing I'm going to get to is probably setting up a couple of pylons in a parking lot and driving around in, in an oval shape. So it'll be, it'll be flat tracking at, at best. So <laughs> is something like this, like a conversion kit, if I got one of these, I could at least get myself into the ballpark of having a decent car if I do manage to find a track where I can go run at, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, and, and I might be cutting my own throat for saying this, but there's no real magic in these cars. They're all good. I mean, some might have a little bit of advantage over the other, but I mean, if you, if, if you have the ability for setup, you can get all of them pretty good. Well, and, and, and that's just it. You know what I mean? That goes to saying that, you know, if you were to give somebody like a Ryan Mayfield or a Jared Tebow or, or you know, a, a, a Ty Tessman, you know, your car, they'd drive the wheels off it and probably outrun most people out on the track with it anyway. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where when you learn to set it up and make the car comfortable for you where you can push the limits of the car, that's, that's when, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I just I want to do this one, racing. Man. I know that's the problem I'm having right now. It's like I got you know, like I recently this past summer got into drag racing, which has been a whole new ballpark of things because I normally race carpet indoor off road, and I know a lot of people are cringing. No, it's not off road. It's on car- whatever. There's jumps. My car actually has to have suspension that works properly for it to work properly i can't just set up super stiff suspension and drive it around like a sedan car i dare you to bring your sedan car out and run with me and you'll agree that it is off as close to off-road as i can get anyway so (laughs) for me the drag racing stuff is a whole new ballpark of things to learn and 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 everything like that and i've been very fortunate to have good friends in california uh tim smith being the big one that you know he does drag racing man that that's what the guy that's his bread and butter. That's what he knows how to do. So I've had a lot of help from clear across the country to to get my car set up. But at the end of the day, I had to go out and drive it. So this is what I love about this hobby is I'm finding more and more things that I'm really fond of. And, and 
damn it, this dirt oval stuff looks so much fun. Like it, it really just, I love it. You know what I mean? And I'm, it, it, it really is. I mean, and the thing about oval ovals, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for everybody, but I know a lot of the people, especially around here, and it's always an off-road racer. <laughs> well, oval's just easy. All you're doing is turn left. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how many times I get that. Well, and, yeah, a lot of people know, say that about drag racing. Oh, you're just going straight. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, I mean, we're busting fast laps out. I mean, what they don't understand is, I mean, a blink of an eye, and you're past if you're if you're not on your game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? uh, one race I went to, um, first through 15, was within a tenth of a second of each other. So I was in round two, and I was setting second or third. Mm-hmm. And... After round three, I'm knocked back to 17th, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's very, very competitive. Uh, a lot of good racers. Yeah, no, no, and I, and I totally know what you mean by that. It's, you know, I get real comfortable with the group of guys that I'm so used to racing with all the time, and I know where I'm going to normally fall with all those guys. And, you know, then we go like another two and a half, three hours further downstate into Michigan to race. And of course, a whole nother group of guys to race with, which I've gotten to know them too. But then it's just, it's one of those ones where it's like, I, I need to bring my A game to this, this, this race. Cause if I don't, I'm definitely going to yeah. be like a D main at best. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, the level of competition, is, I mean, it's, like I said, I was like second or third and went back to 17th in one round, you know, and I, I was walking around like a big stud after the second round and then <laughs> the third round happened and I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> yeah. What, what happened? Where, where, where did everybody go? What, where did I go so wrong? I was doing all right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, de- I definitely, uh, I definitely know where you're coming from though on that whole you know, everybody says, oh, well, this is easy, that is easy. Because, you know, I thought when I first started doing the drag racing stuff that it'd be fairly easy. You know, I'm pretty, I'm o- I'm an okay driver. You know, I can kind of get away with a lot of things that some maybe can't. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, when I first put that car down on the ground and grabbed a handful of trigger, I very, very quickly came to the realization that, okay, I know I just needed to go straight, but that's going to be a lot harder than I think it's going to be. So... <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I managed to somehow get it together and get the car to do almost 75 mile an hour and 132 feet in a little under two seconds, you know, I, I didn't realize how big of a feat it was until Tim really kind of said to me, no, you don't understand. That takes a lot on the shortest wheelbase drag car that's out there. Cause you know, I ended up building a, a pro stock 11 inch wheelbase drag car. Again, unbeknownst to me that I picked the hardest car to build a drag car, I just think they look cool because, you know, I like that kind of style of car with, you know, like the looks like a real car kind of deal, not like a funny car or like a rail. So, but yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos. There's nobody around here that does drag racing that I know of, but I've watched some YouTube videos and man, those things are crazy. It is. It is kind of crazy. And and I'll tell you this, depending on how it was filmed, depending on like the quality, depending on the refresh rate that the, 
they don't sometimes in video they don't look as fast as they really are because when you watch the video of my car doing the the 75 mile an hour run as i like to call it you kind of go at and go was it really moving that fast i'm like yeah i know trust me if you were standing there you would have the same reaction that me and my buddy who filmed it did was which one of those that was moving like (laughs) so yeah but yeah no so let's talk a little bit about the chili bowl coming up because it's in february correct uh-huh. Okay, so where is it normally held? Again, pardon my ignorance, I don't know. Um, I believe it's held in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This will actually be my first year of attending the Chili Bowl. So, oh, um, right on. Since I've been uh, doing the, the whole Maverick thing, I felt the need to, to get my butt out there. And uh, I got a couple of team drivers that's going to be there also, uh, Randy and Jennifer Lathrop. Yeah. Uh, and, I, they, and I'm sure what mo- most people know who who they are because I, I see I even see them on on live RC myself, and I'm an off road racer, so I'm pretty sure everybody knows those two folks. Yeah, uh, man, I was excited to snag them up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what, write your own ticket. I don't care. You're driving one of my cars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear from them once, twice, sometimes three times a week, you know, just chatting about RC and, yep. you know, they always give me a hard time because I'm from West Virginia. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a stupid hillbilly, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're really good people. I got a lot of great people on my team. Well, that's um, good. That's good. Who, so who else do you got that, that, that you'd like to mention? Uh, Justin Huber, uh, Ed Arnett, uh, I got a little kid on my team. We call him Kid Maverick. <laughs> and he's one of the ones that runs late model. And man, he's just been schooling these guys. I think he's like 12 years old. Yeah. And those youngins he, that have a little bit of talent, man, they're, they're scary. Hey, I'm telling you, he ain't afraid of the wall either. <laughs> I mean, he'll get up on the high side and he'll just hammer down on that sucker. And <laughs> it's just a, it's amazing what that kid can do. And I'm thinking, geez, I don't have the guts to do that. You know, because <laughs> I'd end up knocking the fence down. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, he's, uh, he's really, really good. Um, Josh, uh, let's see. Ed Arnett, he's more like our crew chief. He, he tweaks and tunes on all of our race cars at the track. If we right. need help. Right. Um, I got Orville Combs. He's down in Kentucky. Uh, a lot of the guys in, are in the West Virginia, Ohio area. Uh, right. Randy and Jennifer pretty much take care of the out west part for me. Right, 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 for sure. But I mean, I couldn't ask for a better team. I mean, they all mesh well. They all, sh- you know, share information. Um, yeah, it's it's a really good team and. I usually finish second a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, so, there, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Definitely, it's definitely like I said. I, I've this whole thing, this whole dirt oval stuff is very new to me, and you know I've heard of the RC Chili Bowl in the past. You know, obviously I know about the real Chili Bowl, which I think the, all those guys that participated in are completely insane. Um, considering how small of a space it's done in, and it's yeah, it's just again, it's completely you're bonkers. 
to get in a car and race in that small of an area, but teach their own, have fun with that. Um, but then, well, that's great that you're going to be at the RC Chili Bowl. And um, for those that you don't know, it's it's well, what the, pretty much the biggest like oval race for you guys every year, right? Yeah, it's it's a toss up between that and the February freeze. Uh, okay. The February freeze is usually a good one, but that is mainly uh, sprint cars, open wheel modified stuff like that, uh, ten scale level. Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Chili Bowl seems to draw the people in, and uh, I tell you what, this SC mod class is just—I mean, at our local racetrack, we're averaging fifteen to twenty cars on a club race. You know, just an SC modified alone. Right, right. And and this club runs, oh, I'd say they got six or seven classes. And at our Dirt Track World Championship, we had 104 entries. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, Oval's, uh, Oval's big around here. Um, which, I mean, I'm in West Virginia. There ain't much to do but hunt and race RC cars. <laughs> you know <laughs> so we're pretty limited on what we can do around here yeah no i i hear you i kind of have the same situation where i am i'm i'm pretty much uh if you're looking at a map and you look at the very very top of michigan right below the great lakes i'm pretty much right there same spot and uh it's for us you know like don't get me wrong we have great great outdoors for all that kind of stuff fishing hunting the whole nine but when it comes winter time for me anyways everything happens indoors so i go racing but i end up always down in michigan racing because unfortunately there's really nowhere even remotely close to me here to race other than about three and a half hours uh, away and not knocking those guys in in it's called sudbury the the city i'm not knocking those guys but it's just i'd rather go downstate because i know more of those guys down there <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, my home track um, is called OVRCCC, which is a club here in the Mid Ohio Valley area. Right. And I actually, I just found this little piece of information out the other day. I wanted to share with y'all. This club um, is the longest standing club right now in the United States, according to RC Scoring Pro. Really? Yes. Uh, it's been around for, I'm wanting to say, anywhere from 18 to 20 years. Wow. And, yeah, that's a while. Uh, yeah. And we have an outdoor oval. We got a, Actually, we just built an indoor oval, uh, dirt. Uh, they got an on-road, a carpet track. I mean, it's. You can pretty much pick your poison for indoor racing. Okay, wait a minute. Where, where, where is this located? i got to write this down. <laughs> Belpre, Ohio. That doesn't sound like it's overly far away from me. Yeah, Belpre, Ohio. What's the name of this track again? I am seriously writing it down, folks, just for anybody wondering. <laughs> O-V-R-C-C-C. C-C-C. Oh, look. Yeah, the and one we have up. <laughs> the track up here we used to well, the club up here it still is uh called the Sioux RC Car Club, but yeah, we go by uh SRCCC. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean it's a good group of guys here. Um the club has always 
you know, seen the, seen the pull through. Um, actually, um, I'm doing a, uh, raffle. It was funny. You was talking about raffles earlier. Um, I'm actually doing a raffle, raffling off a Maverick and half the proceeds of that raffle is going to this club. Oh, uh, right on. For tracking or repairs or whatever they want to do. Uh, we'll be drawing the ticket on that in December, so you better get you one. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to. Now that you said that, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking at it and I'm going to do what I have to do to get myself a ticket because for whatever reason, RC really likes me right now. Cause see, I didn't tell you the second thing. So I, I give away this, the truck and I'm, I'm saying the truck cause it, I'm still looking at it. Um, the body didn't go out till late to get painted by the guy who decided to sponsor the, the body. Uh, because of course he was, he lived in the Florida area that was affected by hurricane Irma. So when I knew it was coming, like, cause you know, Irma was this big hurricane coming and, you know, it felt like we talked about it for a month before it actually hit landfall. And I knew, I, I knew it was coming and I'm like, well, I don't think I'm going to ship this body down to him. Cause with my luck, the USPS truck that it gets put on is going to get blown away and I'm going to have to try and find another friggin' deep body to send to this guy to get painted. So I, I kept it until he got back home, uh, which fortunately his home and, you know, everything like that survived the, the hurricane. Uh, so it's down with him getting painted. So I still have it here, but funny enough. So we give that away. Um, and then I last year attended a race in Iowa put on by a friend of mine that sponsors me for my foam tires. And, um, I, I sent him some money and I said, Hey, uh, I was talking to Brian down there and he told me that the, you know, it would be five tickets for 20 bucks, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I said, so I'm going to send you $20. Just get me five tickets thinking nothing of it later that evening i get a picture from him with him holding the car and i'm like cool you won the car and no sooner before i go to hit send to him his son sends me a message saying your b64 isn't going to make it to canada i'm going who what (laughs) what what just happened he's like yeah you won the 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 draw for the car i'm like you got to be shitting me there's 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 no way that just happened and sure enough it did i got the car i built the car and i actually ran it there this past weekend and it's just it's one of those things where it's like yeah so you say that jokingly well you should get in on that i'm going to i'm gonna buy one ticket or you know if there's you know whatever the i'm i'm buying something i'm I'm gonna try Uh, it must be canadian luck or something I don't know. see, but I don't, and, and you can ask my wife, like I've been married to my wife now, God love her. Cause I don't know how she's managed this long with my ass for 12 years, you know? And in the 12 years we've been together any, any time like we go to like a, a stag and doe or like an event where, you know, they do those, those draws where you buy tickets. I always buy a ton of tickets and I never win like never. So for this little winning streak I've been on here, this last, I call it the last year, because really in the last year is when I've won this stuff. It's just, this is pretty wild to me. I'm winning big prizes, so I guess I really shouldn't complain. I guess missing out on all the little stuff is kind of making up for it now. So I, I, I guess I'll be all right. I just wish I could win oh, the lottery, right? <laughs> like, it, Yeah, you should play it. Yeah, yeah, keep, <laughs> Sounds like. keep every other prize that I might be entitled to in my entire life, karma or whoever makes these decisions in the universe, and just let me win the lottery once. That's it. <laughs> that's I know what you mean. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, but man. yeah, so I want to talk a little bit more about the chili bowl because so you have understood, I believe for the most part, there's a required tire to run at the RC chili bowl. 
Yeah. Yeah, I believe it's the AKA Impacts. Okay. So, my understanding is the AKA Impacts, or AKA Tires in general, are just getting really hard to get a hold of. So... What, what what what's your take on that? Like, what do you what do you like as a as a racer as a as a I'm gonna call you a chassis manufacturer? What's your what's your take on that? Like, what 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 do you think maybe needs to be done in order to to rectify this issue? Because let's be honest, AKA's future kind of, in my opinion, and again, this is heavily my opinion, AKA's future is very dark to me right now. When you're letting go somebody like Mark Pavitas that's been there since the inception of AKA, and, and you know, really been the face of AKA, in my opinion, because so many people thought he, he was part owner, you know, with them letting him go and the fact that their tires are always on back order or hard to get. And I know I love AKA tires. I ran them on my indoor stuff before I went to foam. So I'm a, I'm a fake, big fan, but do you think that, that maybe something needs to change to, to make this a little better? Or do you think AKA is going to make a big turnaround? Like what's your thought on that? Uh- I've talked to a few people about that, and, you know, the RC industry is, is supply and demand. I mean, if if they can't supply the tires, then, you know, obviously you need to look at other options. Um, now, from what I heard, something happened to their mold, yeah, and okay. and their mold broke or something happened there. And now they're trying to play catch-up from what I've been hearing. Okay. Uh, But as far as letting the gentleman go, yeah, that was a mistake. Um, In my opinion, that was a big mistake. But uh, as far as the Chili Bowl, I don't don't know if we should go with a Pro-Line tire or something that's readily available. Because what's going to happen... I mean, it's only come down to the wire, and guys ain't gonna be able to get their tires. And well, and and that's it, because you know, funny that you mentioned, you know, Jennifer and her husband being, you know, some of your team drivers. I noticed her go to Facebook, you know, asking about them and kind of asking almost the same question that I'm asking, like maybe is it time for a change? Like, what's the plan? And you know, a bunch of people come out and say, "Oh, get a hold of me, I can get you all set up." And she's like, "That's fine, that that I can get set up." But what about everybody else? You know, what about exactly. what about the average Joe that this is the one race he's been planning on going to for maybe the last two years? He's finally going to be able to go this year, and now he can't find the one tire that he needs. Exactly. Right? And, so, I mean, I think they really need to take a long, hard look at that. You know, and I don't know if it's too late to change it or if it's, or what their plan is, if they've talked to AKA and they're, you know, talking to them every day, finding out what's going on. Um, I'm not really sure, but I do know that something needs to happen. Uh, they they either need to get some tires out on the market or find another manufacturer that can supply. Yeah, yeah, at least unless they can somehow get a confirmation from AKA that indeed they will have, you know, cases of those tires available come come February, right? Yeah, or something. I, I mean, you can't. I mean, all these people plan on going to this race. You just can't leave them hanging out there, you know, wondering. Because, you know, if it comes a month down before the Chili Bowl and they say, "Well, we ain't going to have tires," 
we're going to have to change it up and, you know, run this tire. That's a month is not enough notice. Right, right, for sure. So my suggestion would be to address the issue and address it as quickly as possible so the racers can figure out what to do from that point on. Yeah. Hopefully they they decide to make a decision or 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 have a statement about it here soon. Because yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I get it. You know, I, I I said it before. For me to race, for the most part, you know, I race once a month, about forty five minutes away from home. But any other race I go to is pretty much a four hour drive. So there's. I mean, we're on street tracks here, so yeah. Uh, and. The Bandito has been a good tire. Uh, I know the Chili Bowl is loose dirt, so you can't run that, but they definitely got to find something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that's that's the other thing I'm really, again, learning about. Like, I know tire choice even in off-road racing is is huge, but I'm, I'm learning that, too, that really there is a big, big difference between the tires that you can run uh, at one track to another track, depending on how tacky and sticky it is to maybe you know how you know loose it is what whatever the case is so this is again more information but see the banditos i know on the asphalt that i'll be running on they'll work great and actually my foam tire guy knowing him i could probably send him a set of tires and he'll put foam on tires for me on the asphalt and that'll be even better yeah (laughs) yeah so before yeah go ahead I mean, it's just something. It's, it's just something we're going to have to address, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, and, and the Chili Bowl is a great event. I'm not bashing them. No, I'm no, not, no. Absolutely not. Like I, I, I've heard nothing but amazing things about the the RC Chili Bowl, and you know, I know the anticipation for a lot of people. And you know, when I listen to to Alfie on his podcast talk about going to the Chili Bowl. You, you know, you kind of catch a little bit of that fever that, that everybody gets for it. You know what I mean? Like you go, man, maybe I need to go and check this race out or, or you know, just, just go to see how incredible it is and, and everything else. So, yeah, by, by no means am I taking, trying to take away from what they've done and, and what they're doing. I'm sure they are working diligently on a solution for the problem. It's just one of those things. we got to ask the questions to get answers. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? So, Yeah, I agree because, I mean, Nobody wants to come down, you know, a month before. And I mean, it's, it's not going to be good for the racers and it's not going to be good for the event. Well, and that's this event it. needs to keep going. You yep. Know? Yep. For sure. For sure. So before we get into the Facebook questions, let's just uh, talk about price point. What, what are you, what, are, what does one of your conversions run? So say I managed to get my hands on a TLR, you know, 2.0 chassis and I want to get a conversion. What, what, what kind of, what kind of pocket change am I digging for? Right now, uh, two hundred and fifty bucks will get you everything you need to go racing. Um, just bolt it onto your donor car, and you're ready to go. Perfect. So there, that answers that question. Because I'm sure there's guys listening going, "Well, how much are these conversions?" Don't make me pull yeah. out my phone and go to Facebook, Matt. Like I'm, I'm busy we with actually, my hands right now. <laughs> I mean, we was up over the three hundred dollar range, and it was because I was including bumpers and I was including aluminum battery holders and, you know, and and guys didn't like the price. So I thought, well, okay, you know what? We'll just kind of step it down a little bit. Yep. You know, take some of the extras out 
and then, you know, charge a little cheaper price. Um, but, you know, if guys want all the extras, then, hey, you know, we'll hook you up. All oh, right. Um, right. So, so how does somebody order, order the, the conversion kit from you? Like, do you have like a website that they can go to or do they just message you at, at the page? Um, we got a website under construction right now. Okay. Um, but as of right now, you just go to the DRM page or get a hold of me personally. I'll hook you up, send you an invoice, done deal. There, there it is. So yeah, and it, his page is super easy to find on Facebook if you're searching it. Just literally go in there and type in DRM with periods in between the the DR and the M, and it's the first one there. Um, it's, it's super easy to find. Uh, of course, Dana is on Facebook as well. I was able to find him fairly easily because well, I had the spelling of his name. Um, but yeah, so make sure you guys definitely check him out. So let's get into these Facebook questions because, like I said, there are some for you, there are some for me. And, of course, I want to talk about yours first because they are kind of asking a question about uh, DRM. So where is it? I just had it in front of me, and I moved the damn finger. My finger moved. There it is. Uh, So uh, a friend of the podcast, Tyler Zavadil, he's a California guy. He's another drag racer, uh, scaler guy. Dude, you got to see some of the projects this kid worked on. He uh, And I call him a kid. He's only like three years younger than me. Give me a break. (laughs) Um, but he built this like trailer to haul, um, cause he's going to go to axial fest, uh, coming up next year in July. Uh, and he's got an SEX 10 and he built this like trailer to pull behind it like a gooseneck and he built it all by hand. Cause he's a, he's a mechanic, diesel mechanic by trade. Um, so he's pretty good with fabricating stuff. And dude, if you seen this thing, all the little scale details he's putting on it, it's just, it's ridiculous. So, um, shout out to, to Tyler. If you're ever bored, Dana, and you want to check out some stuff about RC drag racing on YouTube, look up RC drag talk. I'll send you the link when we're done. Um, okay. Yeah. The, the, he's pretty good. He's, he's a young guy. He loves the hobby. And he tries to do the best. But his question is, what is the most common car used in racing oval? Is it a store-bought car or is it home creation? So you race it. What do you see more often? Do you see guys, more guys running conversion kits like yours, like anybody else's? Or do you see a lot of guys that have you know their, their TLR truck or their AE truck and they've done a bunch of homebrew stuff to it to make it what it is? Uh, well, that's actually a good question. Um I know, like an SC mod, us here have uh, made two classes: open mod and sport mod. Right. Open mod, you can run your chassis conversion, you know, open motors, open ESC, anything you want. Uh, and the sport mod is a box stock truck with a modified body. Okay. Okay. So, and and the there's no limit to. What manufacturer? So it could be a TLR, an AE, a Slash, if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah, it could be any of the main brands, uh, you know, short course trucks. Huh. But uh, open mod is big, right? I mean, it's it's just crazy right now. Um, so yeah, I would have to say you'll probably see a lot more chassis conversions than you will box stock modifieds. Huh. Okay. All right. Right on. Cool. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, okay. So let's go with this one. I'm going to, I'm going to ask this one. We both can kind of 
have our, our say with it, because I'm sure you've seen this. So TLR just announced the new 22T 4.0 uh, stadium truck. The 22 3.0 stadium truck was just released last spring. In fact, it was TLR uh, TLR's late, last new release. Um, he goes, funny thing is, I just bought a 22T 3.0 with laydown transmission last week, so this is kind of pissing me off. He goes, what is your thought on these companies constantly releasing new vehicles? By the way, I'm still a TLR fan, but not agreeing with the constant new platforms. So Jason, uh, Jason Morris asked that, and... I'll, I'll, I'll kind of say my piece on this, and this is my thing. <clears throat> I know companies like X-Ray come out with new cars every year, and that's fine. Um, I, don't, I wish more companies would kind of adopt that idea. If you're going to make a new car, m- release one once a year. Just, you know what I mean, get it over and done with. And we know companies are always making innovations, so they really could release a new car every year that would be a little different than the year before. And I know for some people, they're going, well, that's ridiculous. It's a cash grab. Well, it's a little ridiculous that they released the 3.0, and less than a year later, the 4.0 is out, and that's the newest car. Like, they just came out with the 3.0. I remember. My friends bought them. (laughs) And I kind of laughed and said, they're still not going to be as good as my T5M, but good luck. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I, I... I understand the concept that companies are always making things better and they want to get that out to their their consumers. But I think that these companies need to think a little bit more about how they're going to do it. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's kind of my thought on it. If you want to do it, do it like X-Ray does. Release a, release a new car every year and just be done with it. You know what I mean? Start calling them the, you know, the 22T 2018 edition, 22T 2019. Do that. That that would that's what I'd like to see. What do you think about that, Dana? Like, you kind of man, I I pretty much I pretty much agree with you. Um, I don't like the fact, you know, they'll come out with something and then you know four months later, well, here's our new one. And the bad thing about TLR, if you don't keep up with them, a lot of times they'll discontinue your parts. Well, yeah, um, and then that's the other worst thing. Like, <laughs> wait, hang yeah, on, time I mean, out. <laughs> like, I'm running my car from two years ago, and you're meaning to tell me that I can't get that front bulkhead for it anymore? What? Yeah. The f- <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just freaking crazy. Uh, I know a lot of guys that's got my kit right now. They're like, man, what what is Lucy thinking? Are they, you know, are they stupid? right but you know i understand the hobby's always changing it's always you know it's a fast fast paced industry um but i'm like you uh that's why i decided to uh, do one conversion a year you know i I did the 2.0 this year beginning of next year we'll release the 3.0 there you go and you know, that way we're not digging in the racer's wallet every time we turn around. Yeah, yeah, know? for sure, for sure. Well, and it makes sense. At least what you're trying to do is make sure that you have conversions available for whether it be a 2.0 the guy owns or if he owns a 3.0, you know. So I like that idea, which tells me that I need to start looking for a 3.0 roller. So I, I'm going to have a little bit of pocket change in my pocket. and <clears throat> I'm sure I'll see one at some point come across, and then I'll just be kind of like, okay, Dana, let me know when that conversion kit's coming up, big guy. 
<laughs> there you go. I, I got a car. I got a car to build. I got a car to build there so it can mostly look really pretty sitting on the shelf. But the once in a while, when I go out and drive it, it's going to be really cool too. Yeah. So I got yeah. a couple of questions on here for me. Uh, one of them is from Tyler again. How far do I usually need to travel to race? Anywhere from an hour to three and a half hours. That that's the the usual travel is an hour because I go down to St. Ignace, Michigan. Uh, and race indoors down there. That's my regular go-to once a month race uh, through the the winter season. Um, <laughs> so Joe Zaire, he goes to me, he goes, have you raced this season yet? And then a friend of mine that I raced with, he goes, yeah, Matt has raced two times already. And then I kind of gave him a little ration of crap. I'm like, Ryan, damn it, man, you're killing me. <laughs> so now Joe, Joe asked this question, and he knew it would strike a nerve with me. So I'm going to go ahead and let it rip here. So Joe asked me, new question, explain how much you hate GP, uh, which for those of you that don't know, that is a big distributor of RC stuff. Uh, I think you guys have figured it out now, uh, as they messed up the whole techno release. So give you a little bit of background, Dana. I want to say about a month before the techno EB410 was released, I kind of caught wind of it and started seeing more about it and really started researching it as techno was releasing their little uh, sneak peeks of the car. Um, and then when the final sneak peek came out where they actually really showed the layout and I had talked to guys like Randy Pike who had actually seen the layout. I'd seen Jason Snyder talk about the car, how it feels like well-balanced, stuff like that. So I kind of got a little excited because I was in the market this year for a new four-wheel drive buggy 10 scale uh, for my indoor racing. <clears throat> and um, as soon as I seen that, I, I said, okay, I'm pre-ordering one. That's it. And I buy all my kits uh, and parts for my kits locally. Cause the one thing I've never really ventured down the path of is looking for like a chassis manufacturer sponsorship. Like I just, I kind of like being able to run what I want to run when I go to the track, except for, you know, like my servos and ESCs, those are things that I would be running irregardless of the chassis I'm running. Cause I like them. So I'm kind of okay with those kind of sponsorships. You know what I mean? Like I'm not just a spur of the moment. Oh, I'm not going to run a Tekken speedo anymore. I'm going to go with this one. So I, pre-ordered it through my local hobby shop he said yeah he's like it won't be here on the release day because obviously i gotta wait for gp to get their shipment and then ship it to me he's like but we should have it like a week week and a half at, at the latest after i'm like cool that's fine by me man i'm not you know what i mean i'm not gonna lose my mind over a couple of days well you know those couple of days went by and i said to him what's going on he goes i don't know he goes great gp won't give me any information about what's going on um, he goes, I called techno and they basically told me that they can't really discuss it, but it might be faster for me to become a dealer with them in order through them to get you your car sooner. I'm like, Oh, this is not going to be good. Like right away. I know this is not going down the path that I wanted to be going down. This means I'm not seeing this car for probably another month because all the pre-orders are out. And that means they don't have any left. Now, <clears throat> what I will say is this, is that I know GP apparently got their order of EB410s. Uh, I heard from my local hobby shop that actually GP was charging $60 more for the kit than if he ordered it directly from Techno. So now I'm a caught in this catch-22. Do I get the car sooner by getting it to get him through GP and pay more for it, or do I wait the extra four to five weeks till Techno gets their next shipment in and get my car that way? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's not really fair. First of all, you guys dropped the ball because you can't pay your bills and you got put on a credit hold 
and I know this is speculation because there's no confirmed, but that's what happened. Let's be honest. There's a reason why a, man, a, a distributor as big as they are didn't get their cars when everybody else did. It's because they couldn't pay the bills, and Techno wasn't re- willing to let them get this big shipment of cars and pay them later for it. That's the truth of the matter. They had to wait till they had capital freed up in order to pay for this order. So... They screwed over all of their clients, you know, like people that pre-order from Tower Hobbies didn't get their cars on time. Guys like me who pre-ordered through hobby shops all on the West Coast, we didn't get our cars because the hobby shops didn't get their orders fulfilled by GP. So we all got the shaft and what I feel, and again, I don't know how all this works. I don't know if there's contracts involved, so I might be talking out of my ass with this, but to me... Being techno and seeing that I got a guy from a hobby shop calling me, becoming a distributor through me, that said he ordered four kits through through GP and he's not getting them. Well, I have the GP order sitting here. I'm just going to pull four kits out of GP's stock and send it to this guy in this hobby shop. Sorry, GP. You couldn't pay your bill on time. I'm not holding these cars any longer for you. That's what I feel Techno should have done. Again, there might be contractual agreements that they got to hold them for X amount of time before they can do anything with them, da-da-da-da-da. So I get it. If that's the case, then there's nothing really Techno can do. But I do want to finish it by saying that because of GP and their inability to process an order in a timely fashion and get kits like every other place did, I'm not running a Techno at all this year. I was going to wait and get the EB410 and just wait it out a couple of weeks. But after having my first race with my two-wheel drive Yokomo, I decided, no, you know what? If i got to wait a few weeks, I'm going to wait a few weeks for the new Yokomo four-wheel drive buggy. So good on you, GP. You, you cost Techno a guy that probably would ra- rant and rave about the, the car. Because I'm, I'm sure it's still <laughs> going to be a great car. But yeah, so that's my little piece on that. A little frustrating. I'm, I'm a little frustrated by it because I really feel, and I'm not the only one. That's the worst part. Like, this isn't an isolated incident. There's, there's dozens upon dozens of us that didn't get our cars that waited for them. So it's a really crappy situation, and they wonder why they're, they're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. It, that just don't make any sense. Well, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, maybe, maybe the, the economy, maybe the, the RC maybe isn't as, as busy or as booming as, as we think it is, but I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think there's really been some really crappy management going on. And I get it. GP handles more than just off-road racing kits. They handle a whole ton of RC stuff, but maybe it's time for them to reevaluate the people that they have running the show and, and they need to start hiring people that keep an open eye to everything going on in, in RC. You know, this was a hugely anticipated release of a no, new four-wheel drive platform the first tent scale vehicle that techno has ever made, <clears throat> you let a whole ton of people down and that'll sour a lot of people that may never deal with, with GP again. Or if they go to their hobby shop and they know their hobby shop orders from there, they'll ask, can you get it from somewhere else instead of there? Cause I know that's, right. the, that's the question I ask my guy now. Well, do we have to get it through GP? Well, no, we can get it through here, but it's a little, I, I don't care. If it's an extra dollar. I'll pay an extra dollar. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. I, I totally see what see what you mean there. Yeah, it, um, it was a big one. I, I had a pretty good rant about it on Facebook that got a lot of feedback too, and I'm pretty sure that's why Joe <laughs> asked it again because he wanted to hear me <laughs> let let it rip on here. But smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, but that's that one. Ugh. Yeah, I, I mean, 
my my turnover time is pretty good. Um, it, it, it could be faster, but it, it's just the nature of the beast. Usually about, you know, two to three weeks, I tell people just to give myself a little breathing room. Well, yeah, but at the it, same time, it's not like you're this big manufacturer pumping these exactly. things out. You know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you're the... One, the, no. Yeah, well, you're the epitome of like what I call mom and pop shop. You know what I mean? Like you're you're doing it yourself. So, and it, you know, I got outsourcing. I have other companies that I rely on. You know, and, and in the meantime, everybody's got a life around RC. You know, so sometimes you you know it might take a week. It might take two weeks. It, yep. It, you know, and you just got to roll with it. Um, so, you know, most of my customers have been awesome. Uh, I've had a lot of good customers and, uh, they all seem to really like the car. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping maybe in the next, I'm going to say the next six months, because the reality is I'm not going to be able to build anything else probably until indoor season's done for me. But in the next six yeah. months, I'm I'm gonna get to. I think I'm gonna get to experience one of these these conversions. I think so. I think. Oh yeah. I uh, think that's what's gonna happen. Once you do it, you'll be hooked. Oh, I'm sure. It doesn't take much you'll for me. I'm 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 hooked on RC to begin with. So any excuses to do something else in RC, yeah, it's totally, <laughs> it's totally good by me. Just don't let me fly yeah. anything unless it can fly itself. Oh yeah, yeah, no, not, flying's not for me. Yeah. I like my wheels on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my, a friend of mine there, the guy that runs the hobby shop, the one day I was, I went down and I was just hanging out with him for the day, and we went out. They were having a this big Mini Cooper, um, like crossing of the Mackinac Bridge, right? So they, I guess they sent sent set a Guinness record. I don't know if they actually got it or not this year, but. He had this huge like hexacopter, quadcopter out there, the camera and everything on it. And he's got it up in the air and he hands me the remote. And I looked at him and said, how much is this costing if it crashes? He goes, well, it shouldn't crash. It kind of does its own thing if you screw it up. I said, okay, cool. I said, I ain't paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't manage to crash it, though. It was actually really a lot easier to fly. So I'm totally cool flying if it does most of the work for you. As long as I don't have to react to anything too quickly. Like these guys that drone race. No, 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 no way. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, there ain't no way. Yeah, no, no. I, I can't. I've I've seen enough of them when they crash the carnage, and, you know, the one guy I was talking to, he goes, oh, it's really not that bad. You know, it's like maybe 30, 40 bucks to fix it if it really, really gets banged up. And I'm going, yeah, so I'm doing basic math in my head. So in a weekend, I'm going to spend like $400. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like, like that's how often I plan on probably crashing this thing learning. So I'm good. I'm good. So, but yeah. Um, all right. So Tyler has another one here and this will kind of be interesting to see what you say, um, as well as what I have. So Tyler goes, what is a good platform rig to start racing two wheel drive buggy? Do you base decisions on track support with parts or does one just get the kit they're interested in? So that's kind of a good question, Tyler. And the reason why I think that's such a good question is because what I would suggest is whatever track you plan on racing frequently at is swing by there first off if you haven't been doing racing for a while and just kind of get a feel for what everybody's running and then also get a feel for what maybe if that track has a hobby shop, what they stock more parts for. Um, In my case, I'm really fortunate. I decided to run Yokomo cars this year and my local hobby shop became a dealer 
and started stocking a small little bit of parts for me in case I break things. Um, I'm so used to traveling so far to race at these like one, you know, weekend racetracks that are called because they get set up and tore down all in the same weekend as w- that we race in. I carry a lot of spare parts with me to fix my car in case I break something. Uh, but that's what I would suggest to do. Just kind of see what all the guys are running, what's the faster cars, maybe what's a little better for the style of racing you're doing, whether it's, you know, I know guys take two-wheel drive buggies and, and race them in sprint car. Um, I think they do, like, late models with, with buggies, do they not, too? Yeah. Yeah, so depending on the racing you're doing, depending on where you're racing, see what, you know, all the what options are out there, what everybody's running, what the most popular one is, and just kind of pick from there. I'm not trying to say don't pick the car you want. You can go on the internet and pick whatever two-wheel drive buggy you really want to run. Just keep that in mind that if you pick an off-brand that they don't stock at that hobby shop, be prepared to bring your own parts with you. What do you, what do you have with that one, Dana? Is kind of What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, parts availability is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> You know, there's a lot of major brands to choose from. Uh, you just got to let your wallet be your guide and how, <laughs> I should say, we're having fun, but we are serious. Yeah. Depends on how serious you are about your racing and, and, and all that. Um, but, yeah, just uh, go go to your local track, talk to some of the guys. Um, and, you know, it's got to be something that you like, too. Uh, you, you don't want to get a car and say, hey, I really really didn't want that but um you, you know most racers are more willing to help you uh with any questions you might have just uh you know go to the track and talk to them and and you know you'll know pretty quick uh who's fast who's not uh who's willing to help you uh what hobby shops carrying your parts. It's really, I can't stress enough parts availability. Mm-hmm. That's that a is big major. One. Yep. That is, that is a huge one. Parts availability is a big one. And <clears throat> fortunately, like I said, the, the local hobby shop to me decided to become a Yokomo dealer. I know recently he also became an x-ray dealer because there's a couple of guys that wanted to run x-ray this year. So he's really making the effort to try and give us uh, support and make sure that we can get the parts that we need. So that that's a big thing, man. If you can't get the parts for your car, it's it's going to be difficult because uh, anybody that's anybody that's trying to push the envelope of their abilities, their car's abilities, you know, sometimes you run on that ragged edge of, of you know, either hitting the corner of a pipe, jumping it wrong and launching it into a pole. A- any one of those things that can break a car and now you're kind of going, okay, well, I need parts. Um, yeah, <laughs> so... Well, where do I get this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's the big ones. And and that's pretty much pretty much a show. I can't believe I actually had show notes this time. I actually go ahead and put a whole little list of things that I need to talk about in the show so I actually know if I've hit everything and when I get to the it's kinda cool. I've only done it for the last two, three podcasts and it works pretty good, believe it or not. Well, I tell you what, it sure helped me out a bunch because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not one for for interviews this is my first one so i'm glad you definitely had them (laughs) (laughs) yeah right well like you did great i'll be honest with you um 
this show is just something that I'm passionate about. You know, it started off originally with me and two of my buddies because all we do is sit around and talk RC all the time. It slowly has morphed into this thing where I kind of, you know, interview people. And I know my other friend Mike would be here with me usually, but he just, he started his own business and he is the guy that does all the work. So he's... He's usually too busy between paperwork and getting new jobs and getting quotes out and all that stuff. So I just kind of been doing my own thing. And, and I, I really do appreciate you reaching out to me and, and giving me this chance to to bring a little bit of light to what you do um, in this whole dirt oval racing. I'm hoping really uh, maybe locally to me it catches on because we got a lot of places that got some nice clay and, and dirt mix that I think would make a really good track. So I just got to convince somebody that it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, once you get on dirt, well, you'll be hooked. I'm sure of it. I know. I know. Trust me. <laughs> I know. I, trust me. If I were to bring my drag car down there and turn it down for you and you, you drove it, you'd be like, okay, hey, can I build one of these, like, tomorrow? Because I, I want one of these. So um, Don't turn it down. I want a, I want full throttle, man. Trust me. Turning it down the first two passes <laughs> only helps you because that's what it took for me. Because I was the same way. I'm like, I don't need to turn it down. I got this. And then finally, when I turned it down, and I actually got it to go A to B. I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna turn it up a little more. And sure enough, gradually, I was able to grab a handful right off the thro- the the right off the hop and let it eat the whole way. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. I want to do this <laughs> a lot more, and this is gonna get expensive. And my wife is really gonna hate me. <laughs> you, you know, and that's. That's another person that I really need to thank is my wife, Gina. She puts up with a lot with RC, and she actually runs a concession stand at our local track, you know, keeping the guys fed and all that. Uh, she's put up with this stuff for, let's see, when's we been married 16 years, and she loves it. Um She's actually mad when we have a rain out. <laughs> so, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's really into it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she puts up with a lot of the RC rate. Yeah. You know, since I've become a, a chassis manufacturer, my phone is constant, you know, <laughs> not stop. And, you know, we'll sit down to watch a movie, phone will ring. You know, and she's like, really? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I know. Dude, totally get it. Because that, that's exactly what happens to the wife and I. We sit down to watch TV together, and, you know, the phone starts going off, and, you know, I start typing. She goes, who are you talking to? I'm like, give me a minute. Hang on. You know, so I, I totally, totally get it, yeah. Wives that can can survive and 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 really support us doing these kind of crazy things that we do is, yeah, they're, they're few and far between. Definitely, we're lucky to have them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Right on. Well, that's it. We're going to call this a show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Believe it or not, I have enough time before I have to go to bed tonight to quickly edit this together and get it posted. So as soon as it's posted, you guys will know about it. Thank you for listening to the MBM Podcast. Make sure, of course, you go and check out uh, the DRM page, MBM Podcast Everything RC. And if you got some time, of course, MKSServoUSA.com. Check them out. Uh, Gropner. My my buddy Rick over at Gone Banana Racing Skins, Max Amps Batteries. I know I'm forgetting other ones. CowRC.com. Make sure you go check all these guys out. You guys know the list of the supporters that help this podcast out to do what we do. So make sure you go and check them out. And thank you very much for, for listening. We'll uh, catch you on the next show. Dana, say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
sit silently and listen to our thoughts, illusions of some day. Disappointing you scared